Uh, the title of my message is called Uncharted Waters. How many of you would uh, agree that we're in uncharted waters in the season that we're living in in this country? I don't think uh, any of us that are alive today have been through something quite like this. And, uh, you know, the definition of uncharted waters is basically um, experiencing something that you've never experienced before and going into a situation where you don't know the outcome and there's a lot of uncertainty. I don't think anything could explain the situation we're in now better than th those words. Uh, which is actually why we played that video. If you, I hope you understood the heart behind that video. It's meant to be a spoof. Uh, Tripp and Tyler, that's all they do is satire. And uh, I just thought it would be funny to, to watch that because how many of us know that, you know, we all know somebody and we probably felt at times like we know uh, just as much about this pandemic as anybody. And um, in fact, we were, had a staff meeting this week and I was telling the staff, you know, we have to be very gracious when we're talking to people about this season we find ourselves in because, you know, people feel very strongly about what they think about this, this pandemic. And uh, the, the truth of the matter is that nobody really knows. You know, I was saying that uh, it, you, can, you can find any, any belief that you have or any uh, certainty you have about the situation. You can find an article or a video or a story to back up what you think from, from all, both ends of the spectrum and everything in between. And so, uh, but the truth is, is that nobody really knows what the immediate future holds. Nobody knows what's exactly going to happen. You, we know the, the models, everything we've seen, it changes every few days, which has brought, caused all this uncertainty. But in, in our leader's defense, no one's really dealt with anything quite like this before. And so, um, uh, so we're all in this uncharted water. But even though we don't know what the future holds, at the risk of sounding cliche, we do know who holds the future, don't we? And uh, I, I don't care if it sounds cliche, that's, that's what's got me through everything in my life. I mean, because... Right now we're in this season where it's tumultuous, but even in a good season, you still don't know what the future holds. And your only hope in this life is to, is to know the one who holds the future. And, uh, and I'm excited about that because I believe God is solidifying for many of us our faith and our walk during this time. Um, which, which leads me to my text verse that I wanna read for you this morning. But before I read it, I wanna give a little bit of background. It's out of Joshua 3. And uh, if you know the story of Joshua, he was actually the one that got to take the children of Israel through uh, into the promised land. You know, Moses was the one that was uh, called to lead the people out of, out of Egypt, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and then Moses died, and now it was time to go into the promised land, and God was, he rose Joshua up to actually lead them into the land, and it's getting really close to time for them to go. They're camped on the other side of the, Jor on the, uh, on the, other side of the Jordan, and Joshua uh, gets a word from the Lord, and the Lord tells Joshua, this is what you need to tell the people. So I'm just going to read a little snippet, just a, a verse and a half of what he tells to the people. Uh, in Joshua 3, the second part of verse 3, and the first part of verse 4. He says, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. What a great reminder for us today, isn't it? I mean, that, this was thousands of years ago, but it applies to us today at this very moment. That he says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark represented the presence, the power, the promise of God. And he said, when you see that Ark moving, he said, you need to move, get up from your position and follow it because you don't know what's happening because you've never been here before. Man, I'm like, when I read that this week, I said, Lord, that's, that, that's us. And uh, he's, he's challenging us here to keep our eyes on him in these uncharted waters. Would you pray with me this morning as we get into the message? 
Father God, we love you today. I thank you for this time that we have together, Lord. Thank you for, uh, for church and that we can just come together and, and worship you and, and hear from your word. And God, I just pray ultimately today that you would be glorified and that you'd speak to our hearts today, whether we're in this building or if we're watching from uh, our car, our living room, our kitchen, wherever it is, that your word would, would pierce our heart, God, and do the work that it was set out to do. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise and the glory. We love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So the Israelites were going into uncharted waters when they uh, came out of Egypt and went into the wilderness. And uh, uh, they, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, the plan wasn't necessarily to do that, but because of their, uh, their hard hearts and stiff necks, as God said, uh, they had to wander in the desert for 40 years. And uh, how many of you feel like today, it feels like every couple days we're confronted with something new that that we've never encountered before, some, some new uncharted waters. Uh, you know, we could say this whole pandemic is an uncharted water for us, but there's also many things inside of it that are also uncertain and things that we've never experienced before. I mean, I, I, there's so many things. I, I, when I think of social distancing, you know, a couple months ago, none of us had ever even heard that term. I don't know if it was a term, actually. And uh, now everybody knows what that means, you know? I mean, who would have ever thought that we couldn't, st we had to stay six feet away from everybody, you know? It's getting to that place where we're nervous to go up to somebody and shake their hand because you don't know what's gonna happen, you know? Uh, and, then, and then it went to shelter in place. You know, none of us had ever had to do anything like that except maybe, you know, hiding in a closet waiting for the tornado warning to pass over for a few minutes, but nothing like we've experienced uh, today and uh, the uncertainty that comes with that too, you know? And then there's, there's the fact that, you know, to go get some eggs and milk, you gotta wear a mask. And uh, I could say as someone that wears glasses, you learn quickly with those masks. If you don't do it right, you're gonna fog up your glasses and you're not gonna be able to see. So uh, those, are, those are things that none of us have probably ever experienced before where we were required to do those types of things. Or maybe on a more serious level, you know, maybe you've gotten laid off or, or completely lost your job because of the situation. A lot of people that have never even experienced that in their life are dealing with what it's like to be laid off and not being able to go to work every day. And, um, and then you have the, the fact that the federal government just dropped money in a lot of our checking accounts for nothing. You know, free money from the government. As a side note, nothing's free. You know, we're going to pay for that somehow, some way. Maybe our children will pay for it. Maybe we'll get off scot-free, but uh, nothing, nothing is free in life. But nevertheless, having money put in your account for, for nothing is uh, something we haven't really experienced. That was, that was one of the good things about the situation, being able to have a, a little extra cash. But, you know, the fact is that when we go into a situation where there's uncertainty and we don't know, it reveals a lot about our character, doesn't it? It reveals where you're at in life, in many different areas. It, it, it's what it did for the children of Israel. You know, they were wandering through the desert and their character was revealed quickly and it was not good, if you know the story. You know, they, they were barely, barely out, of the, out of Egypt and they were creating a golden calf to worship, even though they'd just seen God do all these incredible miracles to get them where they'd been. And, and we know that, you know, they, they barely made it to the Red Sea and saw that they couldn't get across the Red Sea on their own when they were saying to Moses, is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? I mean, just a terrible attitude, you know, and it was, it was because they didn't know what they were gonna do. They didn't know, they had so much uncertainty and, and uh, they didn't know how they were gonna get across the Red Sea, so they, they started to complain. Well, in our own life, you know, these, this situation shows our tendencies too. It reveals things in our life. I, there may be parts of you that, parts of your life that you didn't really realize how you would respond in a situation because maybe things have been good for a while for you. But what happens in these types of seasons of life is we re, it reveals where we're at. It reveals whether or not you're an optimist or a pessimist. 
You know, you might have thought you were optimistic, but you find yourself complaining all the time now and realize, man, maybe I'm not quite as half, half full glass of water as I thought I was. You know, maybe, you're, uh, maybe you thought you were more happy-go-lucky, but you find that you're worrying a lot, you know, and really struggling with this and um, not really been able to take it in stride, you know. Uh, I was thinking this week we should, we, should, uh, we should try to be more like the girl that cut my hair this week. I was getting my hair cut, and, and uh, she was wearing a mask, you know, and we were chatting, and she said, you know, I just assumed when they started the shelter in place that that was just so that uh, we would all stay in our homes so the government could replace the batteries and the birds. And, and I said, uh, what? And she said, well, yeah, I mean, have you ever seen a baby pigeon? Nope, I have not. So uh, I, I think she's going to be just fine. You know, she's, she's getting through this just fine now. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure she was kidding, but I didn't have the guts to really ask her. So, uh, But, you know, I, I love the fact that she was just so, you know, like, ah, this is going to be okay. You know, I mean, maybe a little naive, but uh, that's okay, too, sometimes, you know. Uh, but, you know, it, it reveals where we're at in our life, whether, whether, how we respond to these situations. I think one of the, the biggest things for us is change. You know, if you're resistant to change, there's been a lot of change in the last two months, hasn't there? And if you're resistant to change, this has been a nightmare for you. Uh, may, or maybe you're one of those that just loves change. Every, every new thing's just another opportunity for another adventure, you know? I know Kenzie, our middle one, she was, when it first found out about shelter in place, she was like, oh, this is going to be great man, we're going to put puzzles together and watch Netflix and we're going to do all this and that. And, you know, in a matter of 10 minutes, she's bored and complaining and wishing we weren't doing this. But, uh, but you know, uh, the thing about change that can really affect us is that it forces us to get out of our comfort zone. You know, we've all been pushed out of our comfort zone over these last 10 weeks, haven't we? And uh, that's, that sometimes is not a good thing, but sometimes it can actually be a very good thing. And, you know, I want to tell you guys today, all of you, whether you're watching or whether you're here, that God wants to use this situation possibly to push you out of your comfort zone. You know, because a lot of times we get in comfort zones and they, cannot, they can be actually toxic and damaging, but we will sacrifice freedom for familiar. That's just a natural human tendency to sacrifice. Uh, we're not willing to actually really step out and try to get that freedom because at least in this situation, I know it's not good, but at least I know what to expect. At least I have a sense of control. And to really, to really be able to let go and step out of that comfort zone, the control is gone. And we have to really put our trust and our faith in, in someone other than ourselves. And, you know, this was the, the issue with the children of Israel, too. You know, they were hesitant. A lot of them were hesitant to even leave Egypt when Moses was going to take them out of Egypt. To think about the absurdity of that, that they were in slavery and bondage in a, in a place like Egypt. And yet, instead of going free, a lot of them wanted to stay because they said, well, you know, at least here we know we got food and drink and we got the things we need. And they're willing to sacrifice freedom for familiar. And I think we do that sometimes too. In this, in this season we find ourselves in, are you willing to let God push you out of your comfort zone? Now, I'm not saying that this season we're in is the comfort zone that God wants us in, but he will use this to force us out of that comfort zone so that he could take us to a place of freedom. Because that's his heart for you and me and for each and every one of us in our lives. Most importantly, what this season reveals, the season of uncertainty reveals about us, it will reveal your depth of your relationship with Jesus. And that's the most important thing out of all of this. I'm sure some of you have been confronted with that, like, man, I, I feel like I don't trust Jesus as much as I thought I did because I'm really struggling with X, whatever it might be. 
You know, this will reveal where you're strong in your faith and it will reveal where you are weak in your faith. Maybe you trust God easily for your finances and so you lost your job or you're laid off and you're just like, God, I trust you, it's not a big deal. I'm gonna keep my eyes fixed on you, but there might be something else. Maybe you're, maybe you're stressed out about your health. Maybe you're terrified you might get this virus and something bad could happen to you. Or, or maybe it's the other way around. You're, you're good with your health, but you're worried about your finances, whatever it might be. We find out where we are in our trust in our relationship with Jesus during this season. And I wanna tell you today, more than anything else, if you don't hear anything else I say today, please hear this, that God wants to use this situation in your life to take you to a deeper faith, a deeper trust, a deeper dependence on him, period. He wants that in every one of our lives every day, but the, the significance about a season like this is that he wants to use, sometimes it takes something like this to be a catalyst for us to be able to trust him more. We're either gonna trust him more or we're gonna trust him less. It's very hard to stay just plateaued. And God wants us to trust him more. You know, we, I hear people all the time talk about how they wanna know what God's will for their life is. You know, and I, I can't speak to what God's plan for each and every one of our lives is, but one thing I know is that his will for our life is that we would trust him more. It was that, it's that we would love him more. It's that we would be more dependent on him than anything else in this entire world. And if, this, if it took something like this pandemic to bring us to that place, then I say, okay, God, bring it. I'll be honest with you. One thing I'm encouraged about through this, it hasn't, my faith hasn't wavered at all. In fact, I've been, very, I've been excited about the fact that I feel like I was, at a, I was just at the right place at the right time in my life for this to happen because it has caused me to press into God, into the word, and into just trusting him and, and loving him. And, you know, being this situation, you know, we, we went through this transition and and, um, you know, I've been the pastor of this church now for, what, two weeks or three weeks, I think. So <laughs> it's been a short amount of time, and, uh, but nothing's been normal ever since then. So it'd be easy for me to just be freaking out, thinking, what's going to happen? You know, we're going to, the statistics say when you go back to church, you're going to lose half your church. And, oh my gosh, we were already going to lose people because, you know, there's people that wanted Pastor Bowen to stay forever and me to just be his number two forever. And, you know, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? You know what? I haven't stressed for five seconds about that. I just haven't. Because I'm like, I'm, God, I know you put me here. God wasn't surprised by COVID-19. He knew it was coming. And I, he's not somebody to, like, set me up for failure. And so, Lord, whatever you're doing, I'm good with it. Now, do I know how, what's going to happen in the, in the weeks and months to follow? Not even a clue. But I know it's going to be really great. I know our best days are ahead of us. And I know God has put me here for such a time as this, and I'm good with it. So all of you that are here today have to stay, okay? <laughs> and if you're watching, you have to come back. So, uh, but no, it's, it's just been good. And th but this season will teach us and show us where we're at in our walk with the Lord. And you know, so much of the Israelite journey that they took from, <clears throat> excuse me, from Egypt to the promised land, we can glean so much from that, even in our own lives today. Something that happened so long ago, we can take so much from it because what, I, what you see in the, in the whole uh, history of the Jews is that they were either in one of three places. They were either in Egypt or they were in the wilderness, or they were in the promised land. And that's the same thing for us today. In your life today, spiritually, emotionally, physically, you're either in Egypt, you're in the wilderness, or you're in the promised land. And you could be dabbling in multiple ones. You know, just because you're in one doesn't mean you never go to the other one. You know, you, just because you got to the promised land doesn't mean you stay there. There's one thing about getting to the promised land, there's another, it's a whole other thing to stay in the promised land. And I just want to break it down just a little bit for a minute about those three places. You know, Egypt, the first place, Egypt represents bondage. It represents slavery. It re represents uh, living your life um, under, the, 
under the control of somebody else. And that, that somebody else is not God, okay? Egypt represents someone else controlling your life and that person not having your best interests in heart. It could be just flat out the enemy doing that in your life, but there could be people in your life that are controlling you in a way that, that they don't have your best at heart. It's more for their own selfish motives. Egypt represents being a slave. It, it represents not being free. You're not free if you're in Egypt. You're not at peace. You're a slave. The Bible talks about the fact that we can be slaves to sin. You may be in slavery to sin or slavery to the lusts of the flesh, the Bible talks about. You could be in bondage to fear. You could be in bondage to anxiety or worry or doubt. There's so many things that we can be in Egypt in our own lives. Because this is the thing, guys. Egypt, this, what I'm talking about Egypt, it's not about geography. It's not about literally being in Egypt. Okay? It's about what that represents. It represents bondage in our life. And we can be in, in bondage in our life in one of those places. The Bible talks about the fact that if you withhold forgiveness, Jesus gives the illustration in Matthew 18 about the unmerciful servant. If we withhold forgiveness towards anybody in our life, that we are putting ourselves in bondage, in spiritual bondage in our life. So it's easy for us to be in that bondage in our life. But here's the thing to remember is that God never puts us in Egypt. Never. Now, I know you're looking at me saying, well, God did send the Israelites to Egypt. You're right, he did. But God's not the one that put them in bondage. Man did. When God sent them to Egypt, they were blessed. Joseph was the prime minister. But eventually what happened over a series of events, they became enslaved in Egypt. That wasn't, God didn't put them there for, to be enslaved. Us being in bondage is always done by man or by the enemy. So the, the, the second place was the wilderness. You could be in the wilderness in, any, in your life. Anyone feel like you're in, your, in the wilderness today? I'm sure a lot of us do, because the wilderness represents, it represents a lack of, pers uh, lack of purpose, a lack of direction, uh, kind of a lack of passion, you know, just having a sense of not, not really having a lot of direction in life, feeling like we're just kind of in this waiting mode. There's a lot of waiting in the wilderness. If you look at the, the story of the children of Israel, they did a lot of waiting. You know, they'd go to one spot and then God would make a move. They'd go somewhere else, but there was no great purpose. They were getting up, eating food and, and uh, watching a little TV, going to bed at night, getting up the next morning, doing the same thing again and not really having a whole, not having a sense of drive or purpose in life, but really being more about waiting and, and kind of being in survival mode. You know, um, and you know, there's two different ways we get in the wilderness. One of the ways we get in the wilderness is when we just make decisions that cause us to get out of that plan of God for our life. You know, whether we just made bad financial choices or relationship choices or career choices, whatever it is, we can make decisions that put us in the wilderness. And in those situations, that's where we just need to submit ourselves to God and trust him to get us out of that. But there's also times that God will put us in the wilderness. You know, God's the one that put the children of Israel in the wilderness. He's the one that put them there and left them there, and, and he guided them around for 40 years, but they were in the wilderness. So you may be in a God-ordained wilderness in your life, but here's the thing about that is that if God's put you in the wilderness, it's not so that you have a lack of purpose or a lack of direction. It's a time of preparation. The, the children of Israel's time in the wilderness was a time of preparation for when they went into the promised land, and that's what God does for us. God never wastes our time, guys. Never, ever waste our time. And if we're in the wilderness because of him, we can know that he's preparing us and getting us ready. The thing is about the wilderness is that whether you put yourself in it or God puts you in it, it's never meant to be a place to stay. It's not, it's not the end. It's not, your, it's not your destination. It is designed to be a time of preparation for you and maybe waiting. 
But you know, the Bible talks a lot about waiting, a lot about waiting. As followers of Jesus, there's, there's promises in the Word of God that we're going to be waiting. You know, and one of the verses, it's, it's out of Isaiah, that we love to quote so much, out of Isaiah 40 and 31. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up as wings with eagles, or with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. So the Bible tells us if we wait for the Lord, that he will renew our strength. If we wait the way he wants us to wait. And some of us may be in that waiting pattern right now, but we can trust him when we wait in the wilderness. And then thirdly was the promised land. The promised land represents victory. It represents destiny. It represents fulfilling God's plan for your life, being, being in his purpose for your life. That's what the promised land represents. It also represents freedom. You know, the apostle Paul said in Galatians 5.1, it says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. No longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. The whole reason he came was to set us free, was to put us, get us in that promised land, a place of victory. Now, you know, the, the gospel is a, is, is a paradox too, though, because it also talks about us being slaves to Christ. So we're free, but we're also slaves to Jesus. And he's the one who set us free. It could be, be some irony and some confusion there if you don't understand it. But let me tell you that the term, the term slavery has a very negative connotation, but to be a slave to Jesus is actually a very, very good thing. Because to be a slave to Jesus means you really are free. It doesn't mean you're free to do whatever you want. It means you're free from sin. It means you're free from bondage. It means you're free from all those things that would hold us down. We're free to live for him and to trust him and to love him. And that's the, the promised land. And that's where God would want us to be with him. It's about a dependence on him. Now, does getting to the promised land mean a lifetime of vacations and, and kicking back with your feet up, sipping on sweet tea every day? Nope. If you look at the Bible, you see when the children of Israel got to the promised land, it didn't mean the battle stopped. In fact, the battles intensified, didn't they? They intensified for the children of Israel. So sometimes the battles in the promised land can be more intense than outside of the promised land. But here's the thing. So are the blessings. The blessings of being where God has you, your purpose. And I'm not talking, again, I'm not talking geography. I'm talking about being in him, being submitted to him, committed to him, dependent on him. When we're in that place, the battles don't go away, but the blessings are there. We get the blessing of God. We get to we get a, a, a renewed sense of purpose no matter what we're going through. He carries us through the difficult situations in our life. They don't go away, but he's there and helps us to get through them. Getting there and staying there are two different things. And sometimes we have to fight to stay in that place of the promised land. Now, how do we live in the promised land during the season that we're in? Because we can, you know, even if we're, maybe you feel like you're kind of waiting right now, we're still, we can still live in a promised land with him. So how do we do that? How do we live in the promised land with him? Well, let me, let me go back to my text verse out of Joshua 3. He said, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and again, the, the, the ark of the covenant represented God's presence, his power, his promise. Okay, so when you see it, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. So he says, when you see it, you are to move out and follow it. That's how we stay in God's promised land for us, even during a difficult time like this. See, he says you have to see it. You won't see the ark if you're not looking for it, right? You have to be looking for it. The Bible talks a lot about us as followers of Jesus. We have to seek him. We have to seek after him. Seek first the kingdom of God, and it's for his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Seek after him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, 
If you, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, there is a part on us to play when it comes to experiencing God and, living, and, and experiencing the promised land that he wants us to live in. This is the reason that, that two kids could grow up in the exact same household, same parents, same loving Christian household, and have the exact same upbringing, and one serves Jesus with all their heart, and the other one wants nothing to do with God. Now, I know sometimes there are specific circumstances that play into that, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not just about nurture. It's, there's no guarantees that you grow up in a Christian home that you're going to be a Christian as you live your life, because there is a part to play for us, too. We have to choose to seek after God in our life. And that's why Joshua said, when you see the ark, he said, I want you to get up and follow it. The gospel, I said this in our staff meeting Wednesday, but I love it so much because we think of the gospel as being for everybody, and I believe wholeheartedly that it is. But really, at the end of the day, if you break it down, the gospel is only effective for people who know that they're sinners. We have to know that we need the gospel. We have to know that we need forgiveness of our sins. If you don't feel like you're a bad person, it's, if you try to talk to somebody that, and, and share Jesus with them, but they feel like they're a good person, it's very difficult for that person to give their heart to Jesus because they feel like, I don't need that. I'm not a bad person, right? The gospel is only for people who know that they're actually sinners. Look at Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So a little note there, not everything that hinders us is sin, because it says, and the sin. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's that ugly word, perseverance. We don't like that in Pentecostal circles, do we? We want the instant quick fix, but unfortunately the Bible talks a lot about persevering. And then he goes on to say, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now watch this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So how do we keep from growing weary and losing heart? In a season like we're in today? Do we look to the medical community? Do we look to the scientists? Do we, hang up with, do we wait with bated breath on whether or not we're going to have a vaccine? Do we... Do we consider the, uh, the coronavirus task force, our president, our vice president, our Congress? Are those the things, is that how we keep from growing weary and losing heart, putting our, our trust in them and hanging on every word they say, hoping for some good news? I mean, there's nothing wrong with being informed, but that's not, that's not the key, that's not the code to not growing weary and losing heart. It's very clear there. The writer of Hebrews says, consider him. Consider him. Now, that's not some half-hearted tip of the hat considering Jesus, you know, like giving him a fist bump. This is talking about where you're putting your hope. He's saying your hope should be in Jesus. If you want to stop, keep from growing weary and losing heart in uncertain times, your hope has to be in Jesus. Your faith has to be in Jesus. Your trust has to be in Jesus. Your, the example that we're following is that of Jesus. Now, that's a little harder for us to, in the flesh to receive because if Jesus is our example, there's some really great things, but we know that Jesus was very clear. If we're going to, if we're going to consider him, there's a price to be paid, isn't there? In fact, Romans eight, uh, I think it's in verse 17. We love to quote part of this verse. It says that we are as children of God. We are heirs 
and we are co-heirs with Christ. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? We love to quote that, but you know, there's, there's a second part to that verse that, that we like to avoid at all costs sometimes. It says that we are co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings so that we may also share in his glory. I know, it's like, man, you just, sometimes you just wish you could just take a Sharpie and just cross just a few words out, you know? Just a little bit would make life a lot easier, but there's a reason that's there because that he is our example. And he's not our genie in a bottle that we just rub the, rub the lamp and he pops up and we say, Jesus, this is what I need. I'm your child. I'm a co-heir with you, so this is what I need you to do for me. It's not how it works, is it? But we can often approach our, our walk with him that way. That becomes a struggle for all of us because we really want, we, you know, you can read the word, you see the promises, you see, see the miracles God did, and you can think, I need a miracle in my life. You know, uh, uh, Joy and I, we had to go perform a, a funeral yesterday for uh, Joy's cousin Daniel. His mother passed away from cancer. Uh, well, actually, the cancer wasn't what got her, it was the, the, the lung disease. And uh, she was only 56. And some of her, her family was really struggling with it. You know, one of them was really angry with God, said, God, you know, this, she loved Jesus with all her heart. Why did God let this happen? And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've probably had those conversations too with people, and there's, there's no answer for it. We can't explain why somebody that loves Jesus is a really good person that he didn't heal her, but that there's other people that, you know, we would say are wicked, that live into their 80s, 90s, or even over 100. Why does that happen? I don't know. I can't, I can't explain it, but I don't have to explain it. The fact of the matter is that I know that at the end of the day, Jesus gets the final word. And if for whatever reason God chose not to heal her, well, she still got her healing. She got permanent healing. And that's what, I, that's what I told them yesterday. I said, listen, on our best day here on earth, we know that it's still built on toothpicks. You know, if nothing else, this COVID-19 should have taught us that. Man, our economy was rocking and rolling. Everything is going great. We're doing wonderful. I mean, the, just everything's good. The horizon's beautiful. You know, everything's great. And in a matter of a couple of weeks, we're wearing masks, staying at home, scared to touch anybody. Our, our, our IRAs are plummeting, are losing jobs. The economy, the unemployment rate is record high. I mean, literally in a matter of a couple of weeks. So our best day here on this earth is nothing compared to what it's going to be like when we're with Jesus. That should be our focus anyway, you know? This, this life, I mean, if, if I almost think, and sometimes, and know my heart here, but sometimes it's merciful for God not to heal people. Like, let them go. I mean, I told you this before, I joke with joy. I say, man, if I die suddenly and you pray and raise me back to life, I'm going to smack you. you know? <laughs> I don't smack my wife. Just kidding. That's a metaphor. But you know, I mean, sometimes that's the merciful thing for God to let us go and be with him. That's, that's where true life really begins, you know? And that should be our... That should be our heart. That should be our desire. So lastly, let me just finish up with this and I'll, I'll be done. Joshua said, when you see the ark, you move, get up from your position and follow it. So when we're in times of uncertainty, because we've never been here before, we need to follow Jesus. I mean, that's as simple as it gets, but it's also as profound as it gets too. Because it's not in our nature to follow somebody else. It's in our nature to do our thing. It's in our nature to want to self-preserve and to take care of ourselves and those close to us that we love. It's not in our nature to want to follow Jesus. And we have to be reminded of this all the time. Because, you know, in our hearts, sometimes we argue with him like, Jesus, I, I, I want to follow you, but man, I just really don't want to give up control of every aspect of my life. Jesus says, follow me. 
We may say, I want to follow you, but I just don't understand always the things you do. And Jesus says, it doesn't matter. Follow me. He says, in fact, he says, take up your cross and follow me. And that's a powerful statement because we know the cross represents death. He's saying to follow me, you have to die to yourself and to give yourself to me. And we will stay in our little toxic comfort zone because we're familiar with it. Because to really step out in faith and have freedom in life that Jesus would give us, ask for us, we have to follow him, which means we have to give up control. And control is a very hard thing for us to give up in every aspect of our life. There might be aspects that it's easier than others, but as a whole, to say my whole life is surrendered to you can be very difficult. But he says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. That is the key to getting through any season in your life and trusting him and being dependent on him. You know, uh, in closing, let me just say that in the first chapter of Joshua, God tells Joshua three different times. He says, be strong and courageous. And we love to quote that verse too. It's a beautiful verse. God says, come on, Joshua, you're going to take this land that I promised you, but I want you to be strong and courageous. And the last time he tells him, tells him that in the first chapter, he follows it up by saying, and I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be with you. That's why you can be strong and courageous. He's not telling us to be strong and courageous on our own. Don't trust in our own wisdom. Don't lean on our own understanding. But he says, if you will follow me, if you will trust me, you can be strong and courageous because I'm going to go with you. And church, that should be enough for us. We don't have to have all the answers. But knowing that he's going to be with us, that should just be enough. That should be enough. Because we know, we know he's with us. We know what the Bible tells us, that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us that our names are written on the palm of his hand, that his love for us, that nothing in this whole universe could separate us from his love. That should be enough for us. Even when things don't look great on the outside, even if we're, we're losing jobs or we're seeing people that are getting sick, the fact that he's with us should be enough for us. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence, the power, and the promise of God. Those are the things we need to look to and follow. It's his promise, his power, and his presence in our life. Would you guys that are here, would you stand with me as we, as we pray to close this, this afternoon? I just encourage you to, at home or wherever you are to pray with us. The prayer prayed in faith. God receives it and hears it. So let's pray. Father God, we love you today. God, I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so thankful that we can go to your word. We can see a a story from thousands of years ago and see how it applies to our life today in this very moment. Thank you that your word is timeless. And God, thank you that you don't change, that you still want us to trust you. You want us to be strong and courageous because you're with us. God, I pray that our strength and our courage would be found in you, in each one of our lives. Lord, would you do that work in our hearts that all that we are would be found in you Help us to trust you. Help us in this season to go to deeper places with you, God. I pray that you would help each and every one of us not to turn away, to do our own thing, or to, to uh, consider anything else more than we would consider you so that we don't grow weary and lose heart. Our desire is that you would be honored and lifted high in each one of our lives because we know, Lord, that, that the true freedom in life comes when we are completely surrendered to you. And in this time of uncertainty, God, we need you more than ever. Show us that you're close to us. Show us that you've never left us, that you've never forsaken us. 
Show us your faithfulness in our life, God. Let it be manifested in a way that we cannot deny that you are here and you are with us and that you love us so wonderfully. I pray for each and every person today, God, that's hearing this, this message, Lord, that their hearts would be touched, that you would seal this work in our hearts by your spirit, that when the enemy would come to pluck this word out, God, that you would not allow it to happen, but that you would let this word produce fruit in our lives. We thank you. We love you, Lord. It's a privilege and an honor to know you and to love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone here said? Amen. 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 Praise God. Yes. Praise the Lord.